Blog Talk Radio. Peace to the gods. You already know, man. Yo, yo. Bohemian wizardry, you fraud them thieves be killing me. The enemy is close. You both lies on our identity. I feel like he who steps, architect like him himself. Son had the son himself, the guard deadly with the art. I fit dark with a slit heart. You can feel it in your bone marrow before the shit starts. Standing in the cold with a scroll that was written in gold. Behold the old glimpse that was never untold. Infinite like the eight seven dwelling in your melon. No felon, though the unrighteous say that I'm rebellious. I'm primal, my rhyme suicide. I worship no idols. My style of the gems going down in a spiral. You stuck in your root. My intelligence has my cool. The God is the truth. Every time I step in the booth, you stepped on the stoop. Got to swoop in my loop, do the knowledge, whack them seeds, get slayed like blue. It was the sun of the star, a gift from the gods, the roof flying through the sky with golden wings, submerged into the light, night and body, golden king with the scepter of justice, melanin cultivating change till we are etherians, finally becoming one with the right of the sun, solar, souls are raw, magnificent glow with unconditional love, scattered rays for days from the heavens above, soul below, the souls trapped in the lowest depths of hell, into 76 trillion cells to break free. We must be refined, masculine and feminine properties combined. The devil is the author of confusion. 
Professor Walter Williams, are you here? Professor Walter Williams, can you hear me? Yes, I'm here, uh, Dr. Bear. I'm here. Can you hear me? Right. Yes, I can, loud and clear. Okay. Ready to go. All right, all right, all right. All right, so we're talking about the origin of religions tonight. So what would be the start of that? As we would see, of course, we know that ancient Kemet is where um, all of the world, um, all of the world major religions come from, as far as their origin, their concepts. You know, mm, so, not really. Um, yeah, let's, okay, well, let's let's get to it then. Break it down to us. Well, th- tonight we're going to uh, talk about uh, the literature that's connected to religions, and that's very important because. With the literature that keeps the man-made created religion alive and the minds of the believer, because uh, religion is based off of one's belief. The glue that keeps all religions together is belief. So therefore, we're going to talk about the religion that uh, is the helpmate in doing just that. Now, Baba. Bubba, and um, start off. We, we, we calling you on three way, so we can hear you clearly. Cause we also are um, doing this on Google Hangouts, so you can answer and bring us in on that side too. Okay, so um, uh, I'm kind of lost for what you're telling me. Right, you can just click um, over. 
You can just click over. How, how do you do that? Um, just hit the, let me see, on the, uh, all right, we're going to call right, what, what we're going to do is call you right back. Okay. Be easier for you. Okay. I'll hang up. Okay. Okay. All right. There we go. Yes. You loud and clear now. Yes, please. Okay, well, tonight, like I said before, we're going to talk about uh, religions, yes, but we're going to talk about the religions uh, uh, and the religion and the literature. Mm -hmm. So there, we're going to have to talk about, uh, like the Bible is the companion literature to Christianity. Uh, The Quran is the companion literature to Islam. The Sephar Torah is the companion literature to uh, Judaism, the Rig Veda is the companion literature to Hinduism. So uh, it goes on and on and on like that. But we're going to have to start off with the world's first man-created religion because, as you should know, that no human on earth, you've got seven to eight billion humans walking this earth of all different races, creeds, and color, but no human on earth was born with a religion. So therefore, uh, man creates religion for man to control the thinking and the actions of man. So therefore, uh, religion comes in this order uh, along with the, the literature, which is the companion to whatever religion a human may embrace, whether it's Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Black Hebrewism, Lightism, etc., etc., uh, Buddhism, so forth and so on. So what I'm saying is that uh, we're going to have to go back and pick up and uh, I will lay the foundation for the world's first man-created religion, and that's Christianity. That's the very first religion ever created on earth by man. And in fact, Christianity was created by our African ancestors, uh, those grand and glorious, great uh, ancient Egyptians, known as the Melkite Coptic Egyptians. Uh, this religion called Christianity was created for the Europeans, because our ancestors didn't need a religion. They had a spiritual way of life based off the principle uh, underlying principles of Mayotte, uh, which is the underlying principles that the ancient Egyptians used over there in Egypt. So uh, I want people to know that this religion called Christianity was created for the Europeans. Uh, that goes into another history. But anyway, uh, let me lay the foundation for the coming of Christianity. Well, uh, you have to start off with um, the Greeks coming to Egypt under Alexander the Greek in 332 BCE, etc. And then you have to modulate um, through history. I'm just doing an overview now so I can get you to a certain place. Uh, you modulate from 332 BCE um, to 320 when the image uh, of Serapis, which is was totally one, the success of Alexander the Greek, but now I am beginning to ramble because I'm trying to, you know, hook up a foundation for Christianity and what happened uh, that when we first got on the air, it kind of threw me off when you say you have, you know, changed over, so forth and so on. But anyway, I won't let that uh, stop me, but let me uh, start off with 
the Council of Ephesus. That's that's something I'm starting with the Council of Ephesus. The Council of Ephesus is where the created creature known today, non human, created creature known to us today as Jesus Christ was created right there at the Council of Ephesus in four thirty one by our Melchite Coptic Egyptian ancestors for the Europeans, like I said. And uh let's uh, also, at the council meeting, the council of ethicists in 431, the non-human created creature called the Virgin Mary was created there. So this uh, created creature, then known as the rapist, could have a, a human nature by having a female. As you know, a female is the only way that a human can be coming into this world as a human being is through the body of a female. So that's where uh, the foundation of Christianity uh, started right there, creation of that. And then... Uh, you know, with that argument between the monophysites and uh, the Malachites, both African factions, both brothers, coming out of the same uh, historical background. One was a monophysite. Monophysite means that uh, he did not believe in the two natures. He only believed in the one nature of Serapis, which was which embodies supposedly Osiris. But without Osiris, he would not have a Christ today. So. Uh, the Melchite Coptic Egyptian who created this monster for the whole entire world, um, not knowing that it would be used against us as a people and not knowing what it was going to be used for uh, in the future generations to come, in the future uh, years to come. So uh, this, uh, this, uh, this created creature uh, called Jesus the Christ today, uh, now uh, has a mother, and which is the Virgin Mary, and the argument still is persisting that uh, he did not have a human nature, only a childish like spirit. That's what monophysite says. Mono means one. Uh, Belkites, who were diaphoretic Christians, diaphoretic means that an individual believe, that believes in the human nature of a Christ. So therefore, they created this Christ, and they were the first Christians on earth. They were Melchite Coptic Egyptian became the first Christians on earth at the Council of Ephesus. Twenty years later, um, you come up to the Council of Chalcedon. Uh, that argument still went on. And uh, after that council meeting closed, after they created two words to, to try to give this uh, Jesus Christ a human nature, which is the words of Persephone and um, consubstantiality. Persephone you have in that word persephone, the person, person is a human being. Consubstantiality, it means that third person in the Trinity that goes into another technical uh, history. So, but I'm trying to uh, bypass all that to get to the main foundation that I'm trying to lay for a Christianity. And in order to have uh, a Bible, you have to have Christianity. Okay? In order to have Islam, you have to have a Quran. In order to have uh, Judaism, you have to have a Sephardi Torah and a Talmud and so forth and so on. So now, uh, at, uh, now at, at the end of the Council of, of Chalcedon, for uh, 51, 81 years later, you had the creation of the world's first Christian church. This is, this is how you have to use this history or the knowledge of history to get to the, the Bible literature or biblical literature. So in 532, uh, Justinian I and his wife, Theodora, commissioned African architects and African builders to build 
this church is known in history as the Church of Hagia Sophia. That's the world's first Christian church that was built. It began to build in 532, finished in 537, December 27th, 537. Church built in, in Constantinople, Turkey, which is within uh, Northeast Africa. <laughs> Northeast Africa is called the Middle East. And um, when they built that church, uh, that church was up and running for nine hundred and two years until the seat was moved. That was the first seat of Christianity in uh, Constantinople, Turkey, Northeast Africa. Today called the Middle East. Today Constantinople is called Istanbul, Turkey. In 1439, John VIII, uh, one of the Byzantine emperors, uh, transferred that seat of Christianity out of Northeast Africa because they, they knew that the Ottoman Turks was going to eventually come in and come through that double wall city and seize Constantinople and seize uh, the, the church of, of, uh, of Hagia Sophia. On my book, The Historical Origin of Islam, you will see a picture of the Hagia Sophia with those three uh, minarets on the outside particular church, because when uh, Mohammed II came in in 1453, he converted that, 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 that church into a mosque, okay? But it goes in another history. Anyway, John the VIII uh, transferred the seat out of Constantinople, out of Northeast Africa, out of the Zebra Wall City of Constantinople, and out of the Hagia Sophia, into uh, Europe by relinquishing what is known in history as the donation of Constantine. Now, the donation of Constantine is very important, but uh, I write about it in my book, Historical Origin of Christianity. But uh, that was done in 1439. He went to the Curia there in Florence, Italy. This was uh, 40, uh, uh, this is, uh, uh, 43 years into the Renaissance era of Europe at this time. So that seat uh, was moved by John VIII for relinquishing. At the uh, Curia, the Curia, the word Curia, C-U-R-I-A, means a college. And uh, uh, that, uh, that college, which was in the height or the beginning of the Renaissance era for the Europeans, he transferred and allowed that to be transferred by relinquishing the donation of costume in what is, I mean, sorry, six years later, uh, in 1445, of the, of the catacombs, which is the catacombs are the burial grounds that the Italians used to bury their dead and the Romans used to bury their dead on the outskirts of Rome. Uh, that's where uh, the Vatican is, was beginning to be built at that time. So six years after he transferred his feet, uh, Eugenius IV and Nicholas V uh, took the spot that the Vatican is in this day. As you see, you go to the Vatican today, the Vatican is nothing but a replica of the double-walled city of Constantinople. Okay, now, uh, that was in 1445. Uh, what Eugenius IV and uh, Nicholas V did, they asked our ancestors, known in, in history as the Moors, to come in. See, the Moors were the ones that built the Vatican, the St. Peter's Church, which is known as St. Peter's Basilica. They built uh, uh, 
built the Sistine Chapel, you see, in uh, 1473, and so forth and so on. But that goes into another history. Now, uh, 30 years after the Vatican was established in 1445, uh, you come up to the date of 1475. That's when the first Bible was ever printed on planet Earth. But then you got to go back a little bit to the time of Johannes Gutenberg, who uh, invented a printing press in 1437, um, with movable print, which is very important to know that it was done with movable print. And this is at the right time because uh, the Renaissance era was moving and coming into fruition, thereby a printing press with movable print. Uh, anyone who had a printing press with movable print could uh, generate a lot of capital, a lot of money. So uh, he created this printing press with movable print in 1437, and but he didn't have enough money to sustain himself, so he borrowed money from a capitalist by the name of Johannes Fuss, F-U-S-T, and uh, with a higher interest rate. And quite naturally, he couldn't pay it back. So Johannes Fuss, a capitalist, uh, confiscated that machine, and uh, uh, Johannes Gutenberg went to work for him. Uh, so in 1475, using that same printing press, here comes the world's first printed Bible ever printed on planet Earth. Uh, uh, so that is the foundation of your first Bible ever being printed. On planet Earth, 1475, where was it printed? It was printed in uh, Italy, a city called Bologna. Uh, they used the Greek alphabet to create and print that Bible with, and they formulated that Bible with using the ma written material of Moses' name on called Maimonides, uh, who formulated that Bible to be, uh, be put into a Bible was Johannes Ruslan and his two Italian comp. Uh, uh, associates, um, Asenio, uh, Toshino and Pico della Marandola. Those two are his uh, Italian counterparts that helped him uh, formulate that Bible using Moses' name on called Maimonides literature. Jews. That was in 1475. Now, mind you, that was 30 years after uh, the Roman Catholic Church was established. But the Roman Catholic Church did not have any literature whatsoever for their object. The object of uh, Christianity was Jesus the Christ. They had no literature, 1475, for Christianity. But therefore, uh, they uh, were, quite naturally, they were, uh, uh, they were appalled at this Bible coming out in 1475 without them having any literature for their object. Now, this Bible was called the Hebrew Bible, you see? So, again, let's go back uh, to the listening audience to tell them that this Bible was printed in 1475 in Italy, in the, a city called Bologna. Uh, they printed that Bible using the Greek alphabet. They formulated that Bible uh, with the material written by Moses Namon, called Maimonides, who wrote the first five books of Moses in the regular Bible that you know today. So it was never been a Moses that 
uh, of biblical character, but that's just a character. There was Moses Malon called Mamonides who wrote uh, the first five books of Moses. Right. And they 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 uh, uh, they called it the Hebrew Bible. So it was done again by Ruslan, Marcelo Pacino, and Pico della Marandola. Those three formulated that Bible to be printed. And the Roman Catholic Church was caught flat footed without having any type of literature for their object. Their object of Christianity is Jesus the Christ. So now, um. In 1500, uh, Pope Alexander VI commissioned a ex-Roman Catholic priest and a homosexual and a, door, and, and, and a playwright of Europe. Uh, his name was Desiderius Erasmus. Erasmus appeared and was the first one to propound what is known as the, the Novum Testamentum or the New Testament. You see, that's your, your second uh, uh, coming of your Bible, okay? But now, you've got to understand that Erasmus wrote uh, three synoptic gospels, which is known as Mark, Matthew, and Luke. That's his first writing uh, in 1516 when he came out with this Bible. After, after being commissioned in 1500, which took him 16 years to do just that. And he, uh, he came out with uh, the Synoptic Gospel, or pure literature. Pure literature means uh, the three uh, sources of the three Synoptic Gospels, Mark, Matthew, and Luke. And they always say that John came later, which John did come later. And um, he added six more manuscripts to the Novum Instrumentum, which was... Uh, uh, one and two Peter, that's where you get your Pauline or Pauline letters coming from. Uh, then you get uh, one and two Corinthians, and then you get Galatians and, and Epistles to the Romans. Those are his uh, six plus three plus nine manuscripts that he added uh, to the beginning uh, of his writings to start off to create this Bible that is known today as the New Testament. It started off being called the Novum Instrumentum in 1516. Uh, the word Novum means new instrument. 1519, it changes to the Novum Testamentum, the, the, the New Testament. And in 1535, it's changed out, uh, outright and it the New Testament. So that's how, that's where you, how you get the, the New Testament. And um, a, that was a polemic that took place between uh, 1500 and 1516 uh, by the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, the, the controversy was, was called and known in history as the Peppercorn Ruslan Controversy. If an individual that's listening now, I want to get, get the writers down and you can check it out uh, via uh, uh, encyclopedias or your phone, you can do that. Uh, you spell Peppercorn, P-F-E-F-F-E-R-K-O-R-N, P-F-E-F-F-E-R-K-O-R-N, Peppercorn, Ruslan, R-E-U-T-H-L-I-N, R-E-U-T-H-L-I-N, Ruslan, 
controversy from 1508 and 1510. So that uh, can give you some more insight on the arguments that went on at that time. So in 1510, during the time of the subsequent Russian controversy, um, uh, Pope Alexander X called for the confiscation, the destruction, and the burning of all Hebrew literature, meaning the Old Testament. He wanted that destroyed. Why? Because um, the Roman Catholic Church had no literature for their object, which their object is Jesus the Christ. So he called for that destruction of that Bible. And you can read about it in the Suffolk Ruslan controversy, as I just uh, stated. Now, uh, here you have Erasmus. I mean, uh, again, 1516, with the Novum And um, 11 years uh, later, in 1527, uh, you had a man by the name of Jacob Van Lyshoff, who was a theologian at that time, combining the two books together. That's a good history to know. Now, he combined the Old Testament and the New Testament together under one cover, which they have it under one cover now. In 1527, uh, when he did that, he dropped the name for the Old Testament, uh, dropped the name of Hebrew Bible to and named it Old Testament. So it can be a companion in the minds of the masses of people all over the world that there was an Old Testament first, and then there was the New Testament. Right. You see, so so to keep from, uh, from having an argument or a misunderstanding among the masses of the people, he just took the Hebrew name off and said Old Testament. So that's where you get the Old Testament. Uh, the two books on the one cover cover that was done by Jacob Van Lyswell, a theologian of that time. So um, then we're going to go after Erasmus, uh, who printed his Novum Instrumentum of the New Testament. That was done in Greek also, because uh, at the time, uh, the Renaissance era was on, and in, those, in the school system in Florence, Italy, the period there, the college there, they, they uh, was used and introduced to the students there, the handful male students there, as well as in Ferrara, it's another spot where they had a period there, a college there for, for, for the learning of for the Europeans to learn by. And they also used the Greek alphabet uh, to do that also. So uh, here you have um, in uh, uh, 14, I'm sorry, in 1525, here comes William Tyndale of England. He was the first human on earth to translate the New Testament because he was a personal friend of Erasmus. He transferred it, I'm sorry, transferred the very first um, book of the Bible into English. That's his spot in history, William Tyndale. He's the first translator of the Bible into from Greek into into uh, English. Um, so that's another step along the route of the Bible and its origins. Then we're going to come up to 1539 and 1541. Um, you're going to come up to the time of Miles Coverdale. Miles Coverdale created three Bibles. 
one, the first Bible was called uh, the Great Bible. It was dedicated to Henry VIII. And um, the second Bible is called the Cranmer Bible, which was created uh, by Miles Coverdale for uh, the ecclesiastical advisor to Henry VIII. Because uh, uh, Thomas Cranmer told Henry VIII how he could get uh, and break a loose from the Roman Catholic Church because he was tied in with the Roman Catholic Church at that time. And he asked permission to divorce his wife, Catherine, to marry Anne Bola. The Roman Catholic Church refused to let him do that. Right. They didn't say that against the church law. So here come Thomas Cranmer coming along uh, and telling him how to get uh, out of uh, and release himself from the Roman Catholic Church by cutting ties with him. And this way gave him the straight road to divorcing uh, his wife, Catherine, and married his lover, Anne Bowler, which he did. So uh, that was the second Bible that Miles Coverdale did, uh, wrote. Uh, the Great Bible dedicated to Henry VIII and the Cranmer Bible dedicated to Thomas Cranmer, the ecclesiastical advisor to Henry VIII. And then uh, Miles Coverdale created uh, the third You there, Baba? I'm it. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, you hear me? Okay, let me kind of turn this off. Yeah, he... I thought you had me muted out. No, no, he must have got, um, cut off. Yeah, you got cut off. Okay, you just said, I read in a book today that a true Christian master teaches his son to believe in and give him good news. Appreciate that. No word, Daniel. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. We'll get Baba on Walter Williams back on in a few minutes here. Well, we got a couple events coming up. December the 16th, you know it's going to be um, Baba Phil Valentine, myself, A.A. Rashid, um, Brother Panic, um, B.O.B., um, um, Dr. Lenani, um, which is Phil's wife, my wife, as well as also Sister Khadija, um, Brother Panic's wife. And many others going to be at the God Frequency event, all right? Um, and then, of course, the next weekend, we got the Florida trip coming up. I wish that for those that's interested, um, go to our website, dralinobay.com, and go to the calendar of events, and you can see that information there. And then, of course, our big event will be March, all right? Um, our March event, which is also on www.dralimalbay.com, and you can go there. All right, so um, definitely check us out. All right, definitely check us out. And that event we're going to do 
on what is called United Washington, D-Doc Damania, More Nation, and we will um, be having quite a bit of law, natural law, uh, constitution, you know, all types of information is going to be flowing at this conference. Um, normally, we try to add healing information into it, but we're going to try to keep it separate, and that's going to be our fall event uh, for the healing. But this um, March, I think it's going to be 21st, 22nd, 23rd, um, but check us out. Make sure those dates are correct. Go to www.drlemelbay.com and check us out. The court of God, y'all dropping, dropping donations to our brother. You stay dropping info. Thank you, DJ. Thank you, Brother D. We're going to try to get Baba back on here. I don't know what's going on, what happened. So, you know, he's not picking up. So, I have no idea what's taking place right now. But for those that's interested in, more details about this information, you can go to my website, and the met, it's called The Metaphysical End of Religious Confusion, and we break a lot of this information down that Bible on Walter on Williams is talking about right there. All right, so definitely check us out, www.drlemelbank.com, and the webpage is The Metaphysical End of Religious Confusion, All right? Check us out, no doubt. Um, are there any questions? Um, I'm going to try to get it back on. What is it saying? Mm-hmm. Oh. All right. Um, if there's any questions, I guess you'll have to ask me. Oh, well, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Did? Oh, put you at word. Appreciate that. Much respect. Yeah, trying to get you all the best information out because, you know, um, a lot of the people that's on YouTube are turning into um, making consciousness into a side show. Jackie, um, Jerry Springer. You know, Jerry Springer circus shit. <laughs> You know, and um, number one, I ain't with that shit. Um, so, you know, um, everybody's trying to get likes and hits and clicks. You know what I'm saying? As you see here, you know, a lot of people can't even watch our videos because their attention span is that of the fucking mice. You know, and that's a problem, you know. But for those that can um, that hold on and, and go back and watch the videos, and sometimes, yeah, you got to go back and watch them two, three times in order to get a full... Um, comprehension of what is taking place, but this is for your spiritual development. This is for your soul development. Think about it. You know, the pastor, preacher, reverend, um, imam, all of these people are mediators for your soul survival. They're all there in order to help save your soul, you know, but not giving you the information in which that can actually save your soul, you know. They talk about it because that's what's in those particular books 
that Baba uh, Walter uh, Williams talked about. They're in the books, you know. They talk about the soul and, you know, salvation and so forth and so on, but yet there's no formula, you know. I have yet to see a church to have a formula, a mosque to have a formula, you know. Um, and, of course, I mean, it's not bad within Islam. You know, of course, the Gnostics have deeper understanding, overstanding, understanding of Christianity. And so, therefore, I recommend you study their texts. Um, of course, you know, the, the Sufis have a deeper understanding than Orthodox Muslims about our Islam, you know. Um, then, of course, you know, the Kabbalists, the Kabbalists have deeper understanding than those who claim to be Jews, you know. So, you know, when you start going into the esoteric side of their information, that's when you start seeing the practicalities of the soul-saving techniques. Um, but other than that, you know, you don't see them in the Orthodox. Sorry. Only thing they do is keep repeating the Bible, the, um, you know, the Quran. You know, uh, all these various so-called holy scriptures as just history books. You know, Adam and Eve, you know, 6,000 years ago. You know, oh, Moses split the Red Sea. You know, 4,000 years ago. Oh, Jesus came 2,000 years ago. You know, and that's basically it. You know, you keep getting that same story told over and over and over again. And this is a sad thing, you know, um, for people who's trying to really find out what's going on. But now they don't turn their shit consciousness into a circus, you know, um, basketball wives of consciousness. You know, that's what I'm saying. You know, uh, Brother Polite against uh, Nature Boy. Young Pharaoh against Nature Boy. Nature Boy against them and, you know, everything, you know what I'm saying? And these are some intelligent brothers. Why are they not dropping, you know, more information? You know what I'm saying? I mean, so salvation information. With all this damn Jerry Springer shit, you know what I'm saying, is irrelevant. Well, especially in a day and age where you got recalls on everything. The water is messed up. The air is messed up. The food is messed up. But you ain't inspiring the people to add on. Yeah. You know, they building space stations while we playing PlayStation. Just yeah. foolishness. Yeah, nah, I said that shit back in the days. No. No. What okay. say you, um what say you, brother? Oh, here come Walter Williams here. Okay. All right. Bob is coming back. You know, try to bring him back in. Uh-huh. Hey. Yes, you hear? <laughs> yes, we got you loud and clear. What happened? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. They got caught off. That's all. Yeah. Okay. I know. Oh, wow. He must have been still talking. Scott, we called you about eight times. Yeah. Ah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We called I'm you about eight times. How you doing, brother? I'm doing fine. Who's this brother saying? Yes, it's he. Okay. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, brother. How yourself? I'm doing fine as usual. Hey, you know. Um, uh, I got off to a rough shot there on my part, but, uh, if you want to continue, yes, uh, yes, it was getting, 
It was I, getting good, Baba. So I mean, don't feel like that. It was getting good. You was going to the well, third. You was going to the third um, manifestation of this Bible. Well, I it was going. To, yeah. Uh, I was. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, give a timeline to the audience of how uh, the Bible and the Bibles were created. Right. You know, by dates and so forth and so on, and the name of the people who uh, brought these things into being. Right. So forth and so on. So, I will. Let's, I'll start off with a. Since we got cut off so many times, I'll go back and try to simplify it and and straighten out and give a straight timeline whereby we could, uh, you know, where the audience can get a thorough understanding of how the Bible came about and who brought it about and when it, and when it came, come about with praise and so forth and so on. You want to do that? Yes, that's good. Okay. Let me start off with uh, the printing press. Created and invented by Jacob Van... I'm sorry. John's, uh, oh, okay. what is wrong with Anyway, let me, We can hear you now. Can you hear me now? Yes, loud and clear. Yeah, loud and clear. Okay. All right. Um, we're gonna have to start off with the, the, the person who created the, the world's first printing press, this movable print. That was uh, uh, Johannes uh, Gutenberg. In 1437, he had a printing press that he created with movable print, but he didn't have any money to keep up. Uh, his livelihood, as well as to run that printing press. So he borrowed money from a capitalist by the name of Johann Fust, F-U-S-T, with a high interest rate. Johann Fust, by Johann Gutenberg, couldn't pay it back, the loan back. He confiscated that press. And he took it uh, under his ownership. And uh, Johann Gutenberg went to work for him as a printer. So but this is at the height of, let's say, the Renaissance era. This is 40 years into the Renaissance era of the 14 and 1500s. That's when the Renaissance era came about. The capitalists, knowing that the seat had been moved out of Northeast Africa, Jesus Christianity had been moved out of Northeast Africa into Europe on the outskirts of Rome, he knew that uh, this was a new venture and a new enterprise whereby he can use that printing press to make money because he, he had the only printing press in town or 
in the world at that, 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 that time was movable print, except for the Chinese had invented their printing press in the, the 12th and 13th century with movable print. Uh, movable print. But now you have in the hands of a European a printing press with movable print, and that was in the hands of Johann Fuss, this capitalist. So he knew that he was in a unique uh, position to make lots and lots of money because he can print up material for uh, the school that was being treated there during the Renaissance era in Europe and and uh, and, and he can treat literature for this new religion called Christianity that had moved into uh, uh, Europe on our first around uh, uh, the catacombs where the, the Vatican was built. Now, knowing that and taking advantage of that in uh, 1475, the first Bible was created and printed on planet Earth at that time. And that was 30 years after the Roman Catholic Church came into existence. And that, uh, on the Roman Catholic Church, which printed this Bible, without any literature for its object, the object of the Roman Catholic Church, Jesus the Christ. And they had no literature for uh, Christianity. So here they come uh, out with the 1475 with this uh, first printed Bible on planet Earth that was printed in Italy in a city called Bologna. And they used uh, the Greek alphabet to do that. And they used the written material of Moses' name on called Maimonides to do that. Now, who did this? It was three men uh, under the leadership of Johannes Ruslan. And he had two other uh, Italian counterparts, uh, partners, whether Marcelo Pacino, Pico Della Marandola. Those three together, using the, the, the Greek written material of Moses' name on formulated that Bible, and they called that Bible the Hebrew Bible at that time. Now, uh, this infuriated uh, Pope at that time, or the Roman Catholic Church, because uh, what Ruslan did was he translated that Bible from Greek into Latin and gave uh, a copy to the then-sitting Pope and told the then-sitting Pope that this would be, uh, you read this Bible, this will that you better understand Christianity. So that infuriated him. So in 1500, Pope Alexander VI commissioned an ex-Roman Catholic priest and a playwright, a European play, playwright at that time, by the name of Desiderius Erasmus. And Erasmus is known in history as a glorified, world-renowned homosexual. Now, I'm not uh, homophobic or anything like that, but I think that the the listening audience should know uh, who's writing these materials, such as the Bible, that is out here today. And uh, in a lot of churches and religions are not uh, homosexual, right. especially in the Christian ministry. So what they don't realize is that they're reading uh, a book that was created by a homosexual called the New Testament. But anyway, uh, Pope Alexander VI commissioned Erasmus, this is Jesse Erasmus, who created something for the object of Christianity. 
and that was in 1500. So it took him 16 years to come out with what is known in history as the Novum Instrumentum, uh, which consists of uh, what is known also in history as the three synoptic gospels or Q literature. Now, Q literature or Q literature means the source. And those three uh, synoptic gospels consist of uh, Mark, Matthew, and Luke, because they always tell you that John came later, which John did come later in the King James Version of 1611. So, um, uh, Erasmus also added six um, more manuscripts to the Novum Instrumentum, which is 1 and 2 Peter, which is uh, the 1 and 2 Corinthians. And 1 and 2 Corinthians is where you get the the Pauline letters, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you talk, they talk about Paul and so forth and so on, uh, which that goes into another history. But anyway, uh, and he wrote also Galatians and Epistles to the Romans. So, so um, those are his nine manuscripts that was originally created for the Novum Instrumentum. That was created for the Novum Instrumentum. Okay. So, um, with those nine manuscripts that Erasmus uh, wrote and added among the title of uh, Novum Instrumentum or the New Testament, the word Novum means new and, and Instrumentum means New Testament. So that was done in 1516, 1519, they changed it to Novum Testament. And in 1535, it changed it to the New Testament. So um, uh, that's uh, the wrap up on the history of the New Testament. So now you have uh, two books out now. So, but they're separate from each other. You have the Hebrew Bible over here talking one thing, and you have the, uh, the Novum Instrumentum of the New Testament talking another thing. So a theologian of the time, by the name of Jacob Van Livesfeld in 1527, combined the two books together under one cover that you have today, the Old and the New Testament. He dropped the word for the Old Testament. He dropped the word Hebrew and added Old Testament to it. So therefore, you have the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is still sounds feasible because one is older than the other and so forth and so on in the minds of the, the, of the believer. And so that was done in 1527. And um, go back to understanding that the New Testament was was first written in Greek also. But in 1525, a, uh, a friend of Erasmus, William Tyndale of England, translated, was the first translator of the, the Bible into English. He translated the New Testament and uh, the Old Testament into, uh, into English. He was the first one to do that in history. William Tyndale. Now, you're going to come up to the time of uh, Miles Coverdale. 
Particular books in which that we need, in which that the information with that you've given us that we can collaborate and um, confirm it. Um, I know your historical origin of Christianity is a good one for um, some of this information. Yeah, yeah, concerning um you know that your historical origin of christianity book is good for um a lot of disinformation any other books that you will recommend okay i'm back it's the realm of the, of the ring lords okay okay yeah mercury's in retrograde baba we don't know either 
But why don't we uh, set up another date for this? Okay, okay. Is that is that okay with you? Yep, that is That's okay. okay with me. Yep. And, uh, and if you want to, uh, you know, we can set up another date for the, the Bible and its origin. So, okay. Yeah, like that. And then I can run it down and give a straight timeline on the Bible and uh, where the audience can have a better understanding uh, of and a good history and uh, what's and how the Bible was created, you know? So what day would you want me to uh, put in my calendar? Um, let me see. Uh, Are you on tomorrow? Um, no, but we could do tomorrow. Well, it's up to you. Yeah. Yes, that sounds, that, that sounds good then, Bob. Okay, same time? Yep, same time. Same time. Okay. Uh, so, now, if you uh, want me to stay on, uh, ask questions or something like that, or talk about religion, but anyway, uh, let, let me come on tomorrow. I'd rather do that. Okay. All right. Well, we do that then. Okay, so tell the audience I'll be back tomorrow, uh, and then maybe we can get, uh, you know, because my phone, I'll be talking, next thing I got, I got a business thing, ding, 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 you know. Right, it right. Thank you, Bob. Okay. All right, Mayor Hotel. Mayor Hotel. Mayor Hotel. Okay. All right, y'all. So, um, you know, we're going to be here tomorrow. Tomorrow at 8. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that super chat. You said his name is? Maul. All right. Appreciate you. Thank you for that. You have five on it. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know? Um, and so, you know, we're going to be back tomorrow, y'all. Same time, same place uh, with um, Professor Walter Williams and hopefully no technical difficulties. But y'all still got an hour worth of information, even though with Mercury in retrograde, which it will still be in retrograde tomorrow, but hopefully we have a better connection and better um, line. Or like he said, we can start breaking everything down about the these Bible origins as it's going to be called tomorrow. So, um, you know, just stay with us for tomorrow. Come back. All right. Peace, y'all. Peace.